a group of influential black men convened at the state capitol in Nashville, Tennessee on May 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, 1879 for the purpose of presenting to the country the grievances of the colored people. These men had no affiliation with either the Democrats or Republicans, but were free, independent American citizens. At this session, it was resolved that June 19th be set aside as a colored national holiday and celebrated as the anniversary date of emancipation. Ergo, Juneteenth day. Great care was taken to not mischaracterize the gathering as a convention, so the meeting was formally referred to as the National Conference of Colored Men of the United States and was one of the most interesting and important assemblies ever convened in America at that time. This landmark group of some of the most impressive black men of the era knew that they needed to act with a purpose because whatever step or steps they took would surely go down in history and they didn't want to be ashamed of their action when the record was read. The main focus of the conference was to discuss whether newly freed coloreds in the South should be assisted in migrating to the North, as racism was still running rampant in the South, and Kansas was welcoming the Southerners with open arms. T.W. Henderson from Kansas boasted of smooth sailing for the colored people in his state. Congress had asked to appropriate 259 years for the assistance of those needing aid to immigrate to Kansas. If adopted, this appropriation would have lasted until the year of 2138. The New Orleans Times of April 22, 1879 asserted, let us be perfectly frank. As we have said, the Negroes are leaving the state because there exists among them a sense of insecurity, apprehension that their civil and political rights are in danger, a belief that they cannot have justice. At the time, coloreds in the South, mainly in the state of Texas, were still being treated unjustly in business, employment, and housing. There were no voting rights. Wages were slave wages. 
Housing was not affordable. Coloreds were denied the right of a trial by a jury of our countrymen. And as a consequence, misdemeanors were being executed as felonies. And the courts were crowding the prisons, coal mines, and penitentiaries with coloreds who were sold into slavery as in the past. But now, under the protection of the law. Up until then, in slavery itself, when smitten on one cheek, coloreds turned also the other and bided their time. But God had weakened the chains of slavery. And what was mere freedom to man without civil and political rights? They were as lambs among wolves, literally having no rights which a white man was bound to respect. They still had willing hands and strong arms, even though they were told that they were poor and didn't have the means of defraying their expenses. To this, M.G. Champlin, the chairman, attested, We have no apology to make for our poverty. It comes from those who have enjoyed our labor for hundreds of years, then taunt that we are poor. Over four days of speeches, debates, insults, apologies, discussions, and resolutions, much was resolved. It was resolved that colored people should migrate to those states and territories where they could enjoy all the rights which were guaranteed by the laws and constitution of the United States and enforced by the executive departments of such states and territories. The people were toiling by day and night to make more cotton for the landlord than they did in slavery and were enjoying no more than one peck of meal and two and a half pounds of pork, even with the additional labor of their wives and children. As a result, hundreds of thousands of ex-slaves were fleeing Texas and moving north, thus causing financial strain on the southern farmers' ability to sow and reap their crops. The whites and some blacks were blaming the Republicans for inciting the Southerners into leaving Texas in droves by encouraging them to relocate to other areas where racism was not as prevalent. Things were escalating to the point that the country was possibly facing financial ruin and maybe even another civil war.
it was resolved that the black race ask of Congress of the United States an appropriation of $500,000 to aid in the removal of our people from the South. It was resolved that we ask publications to use a capital N when typing the word Negro. Minutes of this history-making conference were taken daily and published in the local American newspaper. The next day, the newspaper's account would be resolved and accepted as an accurate account of what transpired the previous day. Those minutes were ultimately submitted and are currently maintained at the Library of Congress. John R. Lynch of Mississippi was escorted to the stand and spoke first. His opinion regarding this situation was that the South was the home of colored people and where they were adapted to the climate and soil. He suggested that the people shouldn't be advised to leave the area unless they had very good reason. Yet, they shouldn't be advised to stay either if they were not being treated fairly. Their independence should say to the country, if our labor is valuable, then it should command respect. Statistics quoting the revenue from the sale of cotton, sugar, molasses, rice, and tobacco in 1878 were a reported $177,298,930. The manual and other labor expenditures for the same totaled a mere $158,000. Colonel Robert Harlan voiced the opinion that we have the lawful right to stay or to go wherever we please. The southern country is ours. Our ancestors settled it. And from the wilderness formed the cultivated plantation, and we have cleared, improved, and beautified the land. Whatever there is of wealth, of plenty, of greatness, and of glory in the South, the colored man has been and is the most important fact. The sweat of his brow his laborer's toil, his patient endurance under the heat of the semi-tropical sun and the chilling blast of winter never deterred the laborer from his work. The blood of the colored man has fertilized the land and has cemented the union.
They want the colored man to stay and till the soil. Very well. Then let them treat him justly and fairly and protect him from criminal lawlessness. If they cannot or will not do this, they have no more right to ask him to stay as they have no legal right to forbid him to go. If we are to be re-enslaved, we may as well die on the road to liberty as at the feet of tyrants. We may as well die fighting for liberty rather than in base submission to degrading slavery. For these reasons, therefore, I am an advocate for migration as the only present practicable remedy for our wrongs. And I am for the exercise of that remedy in a large measure. Richardson of Mississippi agreed that the South is the natural home of the colored man. His being adapted to the climate and familiar with the mode of producing that staple that forms a source of profit to the whole country and with the assurance of his civil liberty and political rights may, in the future, become a source of great Profit to even himself. At the end of the fourth day, much had been said, much had been accomplished. However, much had still been left unresolved.